Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Turnbuckle Training, introducing first your longtime fan, short-time podcaster, and former fantasy wrestling hardcore champion, Peyton Total Non-Stop Blastin' Green. (laughs) (laughs) And his tag team partner making his debut in the wacky world of Fightin' Fools, Zach Medium Core Barlow. I don't think I've ever said anything that just made you, like, bust out laughing like that. <laughs> I didn't expect total nonstop blast. Yeah, I was actually, like, just kind of, like, absentmindedly thinking to myself earlier today, like, hmm, what can I say? And I'm like, I can't believe I haven't said total nonstop blasting yet. <laughs> this is a show for longtime wrestling fans and rookies alike. We're going to take you through some of the biggest shows, matches, and rivalries in wrestling history or at least whatever tickles my fancy for uh, for this for this show. And if you know nothing about wrestling, don't worry because as you'll soon find out, I don't either. So Peyton, what are we going to be talking about today? Okay, we're picking up where we left off in the ECW nostalgia. Uh, two weeks ago, we talked about ECW One Night Stand WWE's. Big tribute show to Extreme Championship Wrestling. And, you know, kind of this big send-off. We talked about it was a really good, really fun way for uh, for them to showcase all of what ECW was about, to capture a lot of people's nostalgia. And for whatever reason, TNA decided five years later to do the exact same thing. And less good. <laughs> Here's the thing about this show. Is again, it literally is just a copy of what it's like. Not an original idea at all. Um, and it was like, I don't know what they thought they were gonna like do better than the WWE show. Because here's the thing, I'm not saying it's a horrible idea to do an ECW tribute show again after your competition did it five years before. But it is a bad idea to do a ECW tribute show after your competition did it five years before when you're not legally allowed to say the name you're doing the tribute show for. Yes. Okay. And that is a big part of this whole show is that they don't have the legal rights to anything. This was basically like – this feels like it was just kind of there so some ECW guys could come pick up a paycheck. Yeah, and, like, TNA had a lot of guys who were wrestling for ECW. Fortunately, I would say most of them get to use their original ring names, but a lot of them don't, and that makes it really weird. And, like, the fact that they keep having to, like, put these euphemisms in for ECW. Yeah, yeah, the Philadelphia promotion is their, their favorite, um... And there are a couple of times here that they, like, everyone that has a a new name or whatever, like, they will slip up and call them by their old name. Yeah, and it's like, some of them are goofy, too, and it's just like, it's, this is just an idea that couldn't work. Like, it can't work if you can't say ECW. Yeah, and they try to be cute and get around it, and that only gets you so far. And there's also the fact that, like, so, you know, WWE bought out ECW, so they own all the 
property rights. They also own all the tape library. So there are many times where it feels like we should be showing, like, video of ECW matches, but we're not. And so we're just talking about, like, things that happen in ECW, and we're just, like, watching someone explain something. Okay, to be fair, you just described our podcast. That is true, but at least we're, like, we're an auditory show. Right, and no, I, I, I totally get what you're saying. Like, there are moments where they're like, this was a great moment in uh, that Philadelphia promotions history where um, they hit a guy with a cane like ten times, and he just kept being like, uh, can I have another, please? And they just they kept hitting him with it. And it's like, this just doesn't really work so, at all. And for that reason, this could never be as good as a as a WWE ECW show. Not to mention the lack of Joey Styles and Paul Heyman. Um, sort of, really, the the main personality we have behind this is uh, Tommy Dreamer and Taz. Yes. And, which, you know, that's all well and good. Those are people that you really need. But yeah, yeah, no, the... The absence of Paul Heyman and Joey Styles is so noticeable that they call it out in their own show. Yeah, that they like they have big tribute sections to both of them, which like I mean I guess you would have to do, but I don't know. It just this feels like it was less organized, less yeah. well put together, well, and that's and just really not weird as good. Considering cause the reason those guys aren't there is because they're WWE employees at this time. So it's yeah. really weird to do for TNA to have this big tribute moment to people who work for their competitor. Yeah, it is it is kind of strange. And um, also they're basically this is basically promoting WWE. Because they're basically saying, "Yeah, ECW was really great. You know who owns all that shit? WWE." So it's like, "Hey, if you <laughs> want to if you want to watch all the stuff we're talking about, go pay money to WWE to watch it." Yeah, I didn't even think about that. That's an excellent point. <laughs> so, like, I don't know. It's just, it's it's funny. It's, it's like, a, almost uncomfortable part of this. But, hey, you know, we talked about the last time how that show didn't have enough Taz in it. This will more than make up for that. Yeah, this one does have a lot of Taz. Although I will say Taz is, you know, does commentary on ECW sec- or WWE's second ECW one-night stand. But, yeah, Taz is here. Taz and Mike Tanay, could they not have gotten anyone else that had some sort of tie to ECW? Right, yeah. And that's, okay, that's the thing. At the end of the day, where the WWE show felt like a tribute show, and it felt like, you know, ECW white for, for, one, for one night, this feels like it's a bunch of ECW guys coming in to do a TNA show. Yeah, that is, that is it. It feels like a TNA show. It looks like a TNA TNA show. Uh, you know, the the set looks like it's TNA. They have to do all the crappy TNA remixes of people's entrance music. Uh, yeah, no, you're right. And it's a lot of guys who are mostly TNA guys, even yeah. though they're all they are ECW guys. Which I admit, like that's what WWE did, but like. Rob Van Dam's coming out with the damn TNA world title. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I will say one thing they did pretty good is they didn't have a lot of TNA involvement in the show. They really have, like, only one moment where there's TNA wrestlers in the show. Which right, I feel and they're like just they, watching it on a monitor. I feel like they could have—well, 
I, actually, I forgot about that. I was actually talking about the Jeremy Bor- Borash SoCal Val weird interview thing they did. Which oh, I gotcha. feel like they could have not done. <laughs> yeah, but I, I and that is one thing is that the WWE show was still directing the attention at the WWE. The, yeah. Whereas this does allow, like, okay, but it's hard to put ECW center stage when you can't say the letters ECW. Yeah. And uh, the other thing is, while there were some big-name ECW people towards the latter half of the show, the first part of the show is, like, the the ECW, like, B-list roster. Yeah, yeah, ECW Bush League. Like, uh... Some of the guys on this show, I was like, damn, y'all were in ECW? Like, <laughs> like, fuck, they put anyone who, like, got a tryout match or some shit? Like. Yeah, uh, yeah. It, it does seem to be, um, it doesn't help that many of them are dead. Um, but also, I, I imagine at least a few of them are under contract with the WWE. Oh, yeah. I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think of, like, real noticeable absences. There aren't too many that, like, just jump out at me. I mean, you like, your Rey Mysterios, uh, you know, are, are pretty noticeably absent. So I want to do—I do want to start out with this, like, montage they have at the beginning. It's, like, basically the only thing they can do uh, to show people, like, in their ECW days is they just take these, like, still photographs and put them up. Um, while they, like, do these voiceovers talking about how fucking edgy ECW is. Yeah. Yeah. They're um, like, it, it's, it's just, it's a little bit weird. They're just, like, talking about, it. it's, it's like, we were alternative. We didn't let the man tell us what to do. Which, I mean, I guess is, like, a little bit of what ECW's all about, but here it just felt, like, a little hokey to me. Yeah, no, it was. It was like, we're, we're never going to be. You'd never see me on the cover of GQ. I oh, wouldn't do that. Right. God damn. You know, I, I might be a little bit biased. I think I maybe hate TNA so much that I'm 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 going to be too hard on this show. <laughs> no, I mean, I think that you're you're probably going to be exactly hardcore enough. Um, because I'm really struggling to find good things to say about this show. Um, okay, I, you know... <sighs> The thing is, though, is that TNA is trying to pull... You talk about how this sort of directs the attention over the WWE, but what they're trying to do here, trying and I do believe failing to do, is say, hey, remember how ECW was different and weird and alternative and was doing things no one else would do? Hey, that's us now. We're doing that now. Yeah. Um, And it just doesn't really work. Um... The uh, tagline to this show is The Last Stand, and I have two problems with that. One, they're still doing this ECW yearly reunion show. Are they? Yeah, they're still... It's still... Because it used to be called TNA Hard Justice was what it was called, and they changed it to Hardcore Justice. I think maybe now they've changed it to copy WWE's Extreme Rules pay-per-view, where it's just all hardcore matches. But for a while, they kept doing this. Um... Also, The Last Stand is, like, way too similar to One Night Stand. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Like, Jesus. Like, do you ever think, like, who is in these, like, TNA production meetings that's, like, that's, like, not noticing how much they're copying WWE? 
Yeah, and like I wonder if it's a conscious thing, if it's something where it's like, hey, we need to we need to make something very similar to this WWE product, or if it's like they just watch a lot of WWE and it just bleeds through. That's all I can think. I, I mean, it's all that it, it's. I mean, I guess it's because you write what you know. Like you know, I'll give a very nerdy example. Back when I was, like, a young teen and I was on all these wrestling forums and I was a part of these wrestling fantasy promotions, all the storylines we did were fucking ripped straight from WWE. We literally (laughs) had a storyline where there was a guy in a mask who was managed by a man who we later found out was his father. And then he... His long-lost brother that he thought was dead showed up to feud with him. Wow, I can't believe you guys did Stone Cold's entire story. <laughs> I can't believe it either. <laughs> um, um, but yeah, man, uh, it's it's one of those things, like, I, you know how comedians sometimes accidentally steal each other's jokes? Or purposely yeah. steal each other's jokes? I, I wonder if it's sort of in the same vein. Yeah. It could, it really, honestly, it probably could be that. It's just that, like, they, I mean, there are only, like, so many wrestling storylines you can do that don't mimic each other. Uh, And we should mention that this show was put on by uh, none other than Ole Miss alumni, um, Dixie, can't remember her last name. Dixie Carter. Well, Dixie Carter is the owner of TNA. Right. Was. So, technically, every TNA show is put on by her. Yeah, yeah. I just wanted to mention that we went to the same college, just to just to you know get a little thread of connection there. Yeah. We have um, a we have a TNA World Championship belt in our uh, in our library. Really, I didn't know that. Yeah, there it's like sitting in a case somewhere. Um, but you know that's where I guess she learned via plagiarism how to plagiarize <laughs> the WWE. <laughs> Yeah, and she kind of uses the whole tactic, you know, how people refer to, well, I guess this would be, like, the other way around, but people refer to Ole Miss as the school up north instead of calling it Ole Miss. Yeah. I guess that's where she came up with the Philadelphia-based promotion. <laughs> um, so we open the show, and Taz is going to come out first. He welcomes us all to Hardcore Justice. He's, like, wearing his old wrestling gear. And he says he's been hanging out with the the ECW or the the hardcore wrestling people. The, uh, and he says things are going to get extreme. Man, and I just cannot handle the fact that he keeps saying, you know, violence was not alls we were about. He keeps saying alls, plural. Yeah, and it's almost... I, okay, Taz definitely does have a very strange way of speaking. But and it's almost like here he's setting you up to lower your expectations. It's almost like he's saying, "Hey, hey, hey! It violence wasn't all we were about. There was other stuff too. Alls we and you're were probably going to see most of the other things tonight." I did notice that that it was not really very hardcore. Like no, most of the matches not, did not even have weapons in them. There was one match that I say could qualify as a hardcore match, and to me, it was the best match of the show. Well, uh, I'd say that there were at least two. The last yeah. two both had we- both had weapons in them. Um, well, actually, th- actually three, actually three had weapons in them. I-, I think three could definitely qualify as hardcore matches. But other than that, you know, it was kind of missing. 
Um, Taz is, like, really angry. Like, compare Taz's opening promo to Joey Styles' opening promo, where Joey's, like, basically, like, about to cry, whereas Taz comes out here and he's like, ECW was great, and if you don't like it, kiss my ass. Yeah, no, and that's the thing about, like, I feel like 70% of what every ECW wrestler says now when they get a microphone is, like, People said we were dumb, but we weren't dumb. We were cool. I will say it's it is kind of on brand for Taz being like a like a four foot nine dude from Brooklyn. <laughs> um, our very first match is going to be the Full Blooded Italians, um, who we did see on the ECW One Night Stand show. It's going to be Guido Maritano. We're going to drop the little because apparently the little part is what's trademarked. I guess. Tony, not Mama Luke, but just Tony Luke. Um, Tracy Smothers, who looks fucking old as shit. Oh, yeah, he looked super old. And also, when he talked, he has, like, a deep southern accent that doesn't really work well with his Italian persona. That is supposed to be the joke. Ah. Um, is that he's not Italian, he just says he is. Um, he's, they, like, would introduce him as being from Nashville, Italy. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. Just like how Sabu's from Bombay, Michigan. Yeah, Bombay, Michigan, yeah. And they used to do the opposite with uh, with Rob Van Dam, as they would say he's from Battle Creek, India. Ah. Uh-huh. Instead of from Battle Creek, Michigan. Um, Big Sally is coming out with them, um, and they're going to face just three random guys. Uh, Kid Cash, Simon Diamond, and Johnny Swinger. Uh, Kid Cash is the only one I knew before this. Yeah, yeah. Um, he was on the One Night Stand show, and then he also he also did some work in WWE and in TNA. Simon Diamond and Johnny Swinger are just, I don't, I, they must have been like, they had like some guys come in very late in ECW, like the like 2000 to 2001, which is when they folded. So they must be from around that area. Um... They try to sell... Here's the thing, is they try to make storylines where there can't possibly be any because the announcers try to say, oh, yeah, Diamond and Swinger are still mad that the FBI got a title match 10 years ago. Yeah. Yeah, that is one thing, like... And, you know, we talked about this in the WWE version of this where they sort of threw titles out the window and story out the window, and it was just these guys wrestling... For, for the sake of wrestling. TNA definitely tries to weave more story narrative, and it just doesn't work. Um, one thing that I noticed about this show that bugs the hell out of me is it's just blue. It's very blue, but I feel that that is the TNA, like, style. Um, is this, like, kind of blue-black color scheme. Whenever I, I watched TNA, there was no blue. Oh, um, really? But... May, but they they went under. Uh, this was around the time where they went through like a big style change, you know, because they used to do a six sided ring. They went back to four sides. I don't know why it's fucking so blue. It is very very blue. The whole show is, and I'm not quite sure why either. Uh, the crowd does an interesting chant of "Where's my pizza?" <laughs> um, they uh they even so the the announcers talk about for the first time about uh. Mike Denae says, there are certain names we're not legally allowed to use. You're talking about Tony Luke. And he's like, but all you guys who love ECW, you know who people are. Yeah, which 
here's the thing. I don't know who people are because I don't know anything. So I was very confused at times until the crowd would occasionally help me out. Yeah. Uh, but, it, like, Tony Mamaluke, or Tony Luke, even has his tight say TM for Tony Mamaluke, even though, according to this, the M doesn't stand for anything. Yeah, it's, and, okay, I will say, if you don't have the rights to something and you're gonna try to do it anyways, at least being upfront about it is probably the best course of action. Yeah. Because, I mean, when whenever, like, a wrestler would come to TNA, is they would just come in and they would just, like... Act like we all knew who fucking, like, Johnny Bebop was. Yeah, and that's I just made up a name. I I have a good good question. What do you think our names would be if we went to TNA? Like, what do you think they would change our names to? Okay, okay. Um, I feel like I would be, like, Jack Rogers. (laughs) I feel like I would be Preston... Preston Gray. Preston Gray. Preston Gray. What my name would be. Um, we get this really weird moment where they decide to have a dance off. Yeah. You know, what? hey, no, nothing says extreme championship wrestling like a dance off in the middle of a match. Yeah, when I think of hardcore wrestling and I think of you know, really, the the big moments. Like, uh, isn't it Tommy Dreamer that got hit with the, the kendo stick ten times? Yeah. Uh, or, or you know, like Mick Foley with barbed wire, flaming tables, and dance-offs. That's also, yeah, that's in the list. Yeah, man. I mean, nobody, you know, when people are running down the great ECW moments, they're going to talk about all the dance-offs that they had. Yeah, a regular part of ECW fanfare, as we all know. I mean, I feel like people that don't even watch wrestling know ECW is the one where they dance. And here's the thing. The FBI doesn't even really dance. They just flail around. Yeah, yeah. And then, like, they're very discoordinated, too, because, like, while two of them get on the floor and pretend to swim, one of them just, like, I guess didn't get the memo or just isn't that good at improv, and he just kind of stands while they do that. All of this seemed to just be a weird way to get everybody on the outside of the ring so that Kid Cash could jump on them. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. Uh, yeah. This was just, like, like, this was the moment where I was like, oh, oh, this how it's going to be. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the thing. Like, okay, would the WWE do a dance-off? Probably. Would they do a dance-off in the middle of a match? Probably not. Well, would they do a dance-off in the middle of a match? Yes. If it made sense for the story, like if they had a like if they had a wrestler whose gimmick was they were a dancer. Because yeah. I will say this: ha- like that, one hundred percent has happened before. Where a wrestler has done a dance in the middle of the of the match. I mean, they had characters whose gimmicks were they were dancers, like you know Rikishi, like Too Cool, when they danced in the middle of the Royal Rumble. Okay, but their gimmick is that they dance. None of these wrestlers have a dancing gimmick, and it's like, it, unless I'm mistaken, like unless they did, but I doubt it. Yeah, it's just and it's just a weird way to start off your hardcore match show, like your, yeah. your ECW tribute show starts with dancing. Whose idea was this? Yeah, fuck, who fuck? This was not a Tommy Dreamer idea. 
God damn. I, I wonder what his reaction was when he saw this. Uh, uh, eventually we do... Uh, this is one of my favorite spots. I don't think we've seen any of the matches we watched. It's the big tower. Yeah, yeah. The tower was actually kind of cool. Where, the, like, Swinger and Cash do a double super, superplex on Luke. And then Smothers and Guido powerbomb them both. So it's just like a big, big, big tower. Yeah, it's just like a big pyramid of guys falling over. Um, everybody starts hitting their signature moves on each other, but it's finally Guido who hits a face buster on Simon Diamond and pins for the three count. Back at ringside, Mike Tenace says, We're not here to be Joey Styles. If he was contractually obligated, I would have gladly handed my chair over to Joey. You know, it's just weird to keep reminding people that's like, Hey, we're trying to be WWE. Like... That is true. Like, there is a certain point where, like, because I do think that being up front in, in this kind of situation is is maybe a good tactic. But there is a certain point where you cross a professionalism boundary of, yeah. of like, giving it all we got, Chief. <laughs> like, I but don't know. it's, it's, um... It's... It's like WWE always had a policy of like, you know, don't acknowledge your competitors. Yeah. Because if you do, you're giving you're giving them credit. And that's what TNA has always done. Is they've always acknowledged their competitors. They've always said stuff like, You're not gonna see this in that other company and it's like just be you. Yeah. Yeah. Like take the rocks advice in the movie Wrestling with My Family. Fighting with my family, I mean. They ask him, how do we become the next you? And he says, don't be the next me, be the first you. I think that's great advice that TNA should have taken a long damn time ago. Yeah, and like, okay, you absolutely do have to mention Joey Styles, I think. You can't have this show... Okay, you shouldn't have had the show at all in the first place, let's be real. But you couldn't have the show without mentioning Paul Heyman and Joey Styles. But... You don't have to be like, well, they're contractually obligated to not be here. You just have to be like, you know, shout out to these guys. They couldn't be here tonight or something like that. You you don't have to get into the details of it. Mm-hmm. Um, they also make time to tell us that the main event has been fucked. It was supposed to be Rob Van Dam versus Jerry Lynn, which would have been a great match because those two constantly put on some of the best matches in ECW of all time. But Jerry Lynn hurt his back, which is, like, indicative of the fact of why we shouldn't have done a show with the guys who are all super fucking old. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because, of course, somebody's gonna hurt their back. Um, so instead, they're replacing him with Sabu, which was an interesting choice. Uh, Rob Van Dam versus Sabu. Um, I mean, I do feel like if you're going partners. for, like, big ECW names, Sabu is there, you know? He's yeah. well-known enough. Uh, I think Jerry Lynn's kind of one of those guys that, y- you know, casual fans may not know, but I think more hardcore fans would definitely know. Um, right. So I understand why they wanted to go for that match. And it would have been cool. It would have. I think it would have been better than RVD versus Sabu because, let's face it, Sabu's not a great wrestler. He just does crazy shit. Yeah, yeah, no, you're definitely right about that. We do this Where Are You Now segment, which was pretty cool. I think it was cool that they gave people an opportunity that couldn't be at the show at all to at least appear on it. Yeah, um, no, I, I loved that. And um, I thought that it was weird. Okay, 
what they end up doing with the blue meanie is very strange. Let's just get that out of the way. But he yeah. is here in this Where Are They Now uh, and, and gives a little shout-out to everybody. And that's that's yeah. cool. Uh, of course, this was really less of a Where Are They Now and more of like people saying thank you, but... Yeah. Uh, we saw Todd Gordon, who... Todd Gordon is actually the original founder of ECW. Um, really? Yeah, he, he doesn't get a lot of uh, credit. Him and Paul Heyman had a little bit of a, a falling out, and Todd Gordon, they ended up going their separate ways, but... Uh, they do try to acknowledge Todd Gordon as you know being the original creator of ECW. Um, they also, I gotta mention this. They have Pitbull Gary Wolf hanging out with a Jack Russell Terrier. <laughs> <laughs> I just had to mention that because it's the wrong fucking dog. Oh man, <laughs> Jack Russell Terrier Gary Wolf. I, I I like how he's like I couldn't be there because of a uh, prior obligation. We know you don't have anything going on. You just didn't get booked in this show. <laughs> yeah, what was really better? I mean, I know you weren't wrestling for WWE, so... <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, of course, we have Blue Meanie, your favorite. God, I hate him. Um, uh, we do this, this I Remember segment where we have some of the current uh, TNA wrestlers talking about their favorite moments in TNA. And this is where we have AJ Styles talking about the Singapore Kane match with Tommy Dreamer and Sandman, and we're just watching him talk about it because we can't show it. Right. And this is, the, the I remember sort of takes the place of the highlight reels that we saw in the WWE show. And here's the thing. You, I, I was personally like, these highlight reels are going on a bit too long, but if that was unnecessary, this was certainly unnecessary. See, basically, if we could combine these two things, like if we could have someone talking about their favorite moments and showing them, then that's perfect. Perfect, what right. We got, what we got with WWE was just showing out-of-context moments, and then what we got from TNA was people describing <laughs> what these moments looked like. So you just kind of have to put it together, sort of a choose-your-own choose ECW kind of thing. Yeah, no, but you're absolutely right. If you could have... Just voice over the clips from that would have been perfect. Would have worked great. Um, this next segment is what I like to call the "We're gonna get sued" segment. <laughs> Al Snow is yelling at Head, telling Head it can't say the ECW letters, or he says those three little letters, um, because of the legal fees. Stevie Richards is there, and he says this really funny thing. I don't know if you caught it. He, he's like, pretty soon we're going to have a guy going around hitting people with a sledgehammer um, or somebody carrying around a mask that they already took off because he's making fun of Triple H and, and Kane. <laughs> um, and then he says, or we're going to have Stevie, we're going to have you paired up with a woman wrestler or wrestling on a secondary show. Uh, that's because they used to have him manage... Victoria in WWE, and he pretty much exclusively wrestled on uh, WWE's like B show, like not even B show because if, if SmackDown's the B show, this is the C show on Sunday Night Heat. Oh um, wow! And then uh, Hollywood Nova shows up, uh, and they point out that he's not wearing the BWO shirt because he can't. Um. <laughs> And, but Nova makes fun of Al Snow and says that your career would be in the toilet bowl if it wasn't for Head. And then a fake blue meanie shows up. 
Right. Okay. I think that everything in this bit is funny and good until this. Until you replace Blue Meanie with just this other guy. And you it's point like... out that he's replaced, but like, and maybe that would be fine as a one-off goof, but he becomes a permanent part of the show. Yeah, he gets like more airtime than like real wrestlers. Yeah, it's weird. Um, And here's the thing. We already saw Blue Meanie once. We got our Blue Meanie fill, which was more than enough. We didn't yeah. have to bring... Like, why was it like we have to have Blue Meanie on this show so much that we're going to bring a fake Blue Meanie on? I want to know why real Blue Meanie couldn't make it. What has he got going on? Probably rehab. <laughs> Probably so. But yeah, no, and uh, okay, also... If fake Blue Meanie can wear the BW 2.0 shirt, which is just BWO with a 2 there, you know, you see what they're doing? Clever. Yeah. Um, then why can't Nova wear one as well? I don't know. It, it's like, okay, this was an opportunity for you to realize, maybe we just shouldn't do this. Maybe we should not have the BWO at all. Yeah. Because we can't say it, we can't show it, we can't even get all of the guys on there. But we did it anyway. <laughs> and, uh, I've given it all she's got, Chief. <laughs> That's what so much of this show comes off as. And then some dude that I don't even know shows up, and he's picking his nose, and then him and fake Blue Meanie start picking each other's noses. Uh, they don't even know who this guy is. Yeah, later they're like, we don't know him. Um. So what does he have to do with anything he's he's uh, if i'm not mistaken somehow um he's one of raven's lackeys yeah but i don't even i don't think he was from ecw why is he here i i i truly have no idea um but stevie says he wants to prove something to the world and to himself not as the bwo to show that he can do it by himself and i wish they would have let him yeah (laughs) Like, we could have just had a Stevie Richards match. That's the thing. Stevie Richards has always gotten saddled with bad gimmicks. And even in this show where they're trying to make a point of, I don't need a bad gimmick, they give him a parody of a parody of a gimmick. Yeah. Wow. A gimmick that was already making fun of a group is now making fun of the the parody group. Yeah. I I can't make this shit up. wild. Um, our next match is going to be C.W. Anderson versus Two Cold Scorpio. You know, again, this is a match where it's like, hmm, yeah, these guys were in the original ECW, and Two Cold Scorpio, you know, had a had a decent career in ECW. He he, they you know talk about he won the TV title several times. He won the tag team titles. Uh, had some great matches with Chris Jericho, but at the end of the day, I don't really think of him as a as an ECW guy. And then C.W. Anderson came in really at the last minute for ECW. Uh, he, I don't think he started wrestling with ECW till 2000, which was they had their last pay-per-view in January of 2001, so he really was not there for very long. Um, he did main event the last TNA pay-per-view, so I guess I can kind of see just that aspect, I guess, kind of makes him, you know, kind of like an ECW, makes him significant. Because he was in the main event of the last show. Yeah. 
It is, uh, I agree with you, though, a bit odd. That. This match isn't very ECW, but it is a good match, actually, I think. Yeah, no, you're, you're not wrong about that. And Two Cold Scorpio has some great high-flying stuff that, um, pretty impressive for a guy of his size. I'll say this, I think, I think matches between high-flyers and technicians are usually some of the best matches. I agree, I agree, uh, they're my favorites. Because, like, when you get Kurt Angle versus, like, Rey Mysterio... Absolutely, that super good. I, I think those matches always do really well. They're just the best kind. Something about it. Something about the fact that like, because you have a natural thing of the high flyer is going to really you know want to go fast. The technician is going to want to try to slow them down. You have a like a, a great clear battle clash there. of styles. Uh, you know, the technician can go after the guy's legs so that they can't do the high flying moves. Yeah, it's it's a clash of styles that works really really well. Um, Taz mentions that uh, Too Cold Scorpio broke his neck back in the day. Um, a lot of neck breaking in ECW. Yeah, it's almost like you need those pads on the floor. <laughs> yeah. Um. Uh, CW Anderson does have an interesting gimmick in that he is also kind of like a parody or a knockoff of the Anderson brothers, who were big in WCW and like NWA. Arn Anderson and Ole Anderson, who are part of Ric Flair's Four Horsemen. He's not actually related to them, but he does all their moves, and he looks like them, and he has the same last name. That is odd. Yeah, it is an odd gimmick, huh? You know, and it's weird, too, that, like, okay, you know, all the the heat between ECW and WCW— WCW is not really mentioned at all in this show, which I guess maybe they can't uh, as well because that's yeah. also a property of the WWE. But you'd think, and I'm not, I'm not a, a copyright or, or a patent lawyer, so I don't know. But you would think that you could mention them in like a historical context at least. Yeah, I, and I, I think it's, I do think it's weird because I've heard them mention WWE by name, like they, like. So yeah, I mean, you would think they couldn't get sued just for just for naming something. Yeah, like, just I mean, for saying something exists. That's like saying like like oh hey I I had a Coke backstage. Like they're not gonna get sued by Coca Cola. Like yeah, you would you would hope not. I mean, you would think that you could be able to say like hey these guys wrestled in ECW. ECW was a promotion that exists. This show may or may not have anything to do with that. But I want to say that at the very beginning, Mike Tanay did say ECW. I want to say they said it once. Maybe there was like some kind of rule where they could say it one time and then. Well, Taz slips up and says it again later. Oh, yeah. And I, I don't know. It's just, yeah, it is really weird. And because I've heard them, I feel like I've heard them in like a regular TNA show. So I know I've heard them say WWE before. So I think maybe it has something to do with, like, the sheer number of times that they would mention it, that they don't want to continue mentioning it. Maybe so. Maybe they're just trying and to minimize. And the fact that it, that it the... is an ECW, like, they're honoring ECW, so they don't want to make it look like they're trying to make money off of ECW. Right. It's the only thing I can think of. Yeah, I mean, I guess, I guess there is sort of a, like... You know, maybe we're in the clear, but we don't want to even end up in the courtroom to find out. Kind yeah. of a thought going through their head. Yeah, I I suppose. Um, of course, I don't think this would really be on their fucking radar, but... 
Yeah, I have a feeling. Well, you know, the WWE can get petty sometimes. True. Uh, they, they can go after you just to, just for the fun of it. Yeah. Um. So we'll, we're going to end this match when uh, Scorpio hits a pretty impressive like backdrop into a leg drop uh, from the top rope and gets the win. You know, a guy who's you know pretty up there in age doing some pretty crazy shit. That's n- nice. Yeah, absolutely. I was I was shocked with his ability to move around the ring. Um, but yeah, I actually thought this was one of the better matches on the show. Yeah, no, I agree. It was uh, it was a pretty good match. Um, uh, Scorpio and Anderson are going to shake hands in the middle of the ring. We're going to go to another one of those I remember bits. Um, Madison Rain's going to compare the ECW style to TNA. Matt Morgan talks about watching an ECW show when he was a bouncer. And they keep saying stuff like that Philadelphia-based wrestling promotion or that hardcore wrestling promotion or the original hardcore company or just weird shit like that. You think, okay, the Philadelphia-based wrestling promotion is a mouthful. You think you could find something a little bit shorter. But you could say, like, extreme wrestling or something, maybe? I don't know, but... To say the Philadelphia-based promotion every time you want to refer to the ECW is a lot. And the fact that they, like, kept doing these shows is, like, I don't know what they were like, what the situation was, but assuming they went by the same, like, procedure and, like, kept doing this for years, dancing around the name, uh, sounds sounds like a headache. It sounds like the show is, like more of a headache than it was worth to do. Absolutely, this is more trouble than it's worth. Um, Mr. Anderson is also in there, formerly Mr. Kennedy, um, and he talks about how the Philadelphia-based wrestling company brought something different. Um, I like to call this segment, We Wish We Could Have Gotten Jerry Lynn. Um, I was surprised to see that RVD is the TNA World Champion. Um, But I am glad, kind of, that he had the world title, although I feel like TNA just kind of gave their championship to whoever was, like, the newest person to jump ship from WWE. Yeah. Um, RVD is with Bill Alfonso, your favorite. God, I hate him. Why, how does he, okay, this man doesn't even do anything. He doesn't even do anything, Peyton, he's not a wrestler. How does he stay in a job? How well, does he he's, he's like, you know, he's... He's no different than, like, Paul Heyman. Paul Heyman made, like, he ran the thing. What did yeah. Bill Alfonso I mean, not do? Paul Heyman. I meant Paul Bearer. Oh, yeah. I mean, right. But if, if Undertaker went to a different wrestling promotion, do you think Paul Bearer would come behind him? Maybe. It's just weird. It's weird that Bill Alfonso can cash a check at every possible opportunity. Um... They talk about how Jerry Lynn trained too hard and hurt his back and that it's a shame. Uh, RVD says he called Dreamer, or Dreamer called him and asked him who he wanted to wrestle, and he says it's this show's all about paying tribute, so he picked Sabu. Uh, Bill Alfonso and RVD keep calling each other daddy the whole time. Yeah, okay, okay, hey, Peyton. Remember last episode when you said it wasn't that weird? Isn't it weird? Isn't it weird, Peyton? Yeah, in, in, like, in 2010 it's weird because I think daddy was th- a thing by then. Yeah, I think it had always been a thing. And they also keep saying it a lot. Yeah, they do. They do they say, say it, it like constantly. one time last time. 
Um, Bill Alfonso says he's going to try and manage both of them because RVD and Sabu used to be tag team partners managed by Alfonso. He says he's going to call it right down the middle, which doesn't make any sense because that's something a referee would say. Yeah, I... How does Bill Alfonso keep getting paid? I I don't know. Our next match is PJ Polacco versus Stevie Richards, who's going to come out with Hollywood Nova and Blue Tilly, the fake Blue Meanie. PJ Polacco is probably the like craziest name change, despite the fact that I looked it up. It is his real name. Yeah, but it is. What it a... sounds nothing like just incredible. Yeah, I, and I wouldn't have known it was just incredible, other than that the crowd cannot stop chanting just incredible. And I was like, ah, yes, thank you. But is, was there not something they could have picked that sounded cl- – see, that's the thing. I don't know. I almost think that, yeah, maybe it does make more sense if you just give them, like, their real name or something. Yeah, but call them when Incredible they- Justin, and then, like, we got it. Yeah, but see, I, that to me feels too much, too like hokey. Like, it, like when we get to Balls Mahoney and they call him Cajones instead. Yeah, well, other than Taz, who slips up and calls him Balls Mahoney twice. Yeah, it's just, uh, it's just hard to take his his name seriously when it's so far away from just incredible. Yeah, yeah, I or just I don't say know. Justin, just call him Justin. Yeah, yeah, that would have worked too. Like, like, just call him, call him something that's like, oh, we're not changing his name, but we're maybe not like saying the whole thing. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, the crowd's chanting just incredible. Uh, they're gonna brawl on the outside some. Uh, we really could have just not done with the BWO. I was really expecting Stevie Richard that BWO thing to just be like a one-off joke. That's and what I Stevie thought too. Richard just come out and wrestle by himself. That's what I thought, too. But no, we have to have Blue Tilly here. Why? What? I don't understand. It's like... It's like if there was, like, some sort of, like, Scooby-Doo reunion, and they wanted to have Scrappy, but they couldn't. But they made a guy (laughs) dress up in a Scrappy-Doo costume. It's like it's like they like they picked the worst person to try so hard to be there. I don't know. Um uh Polacco is going to hit a tombstone pile driver and pin, but Nova gets on the apron and distracts him for like a second and then he doesn't immediately go back to pin him. That doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Why yeah, is pin him? Weird. Um and so then Stevie hits the Stevie kick for the win. Uh, Stevie celebrates. Polacco starts beating him with a Singapore cane. Believe it or not, the first time we see a weapon used all night. Yeah. Yeah, in the third match of this hardcore show. And not even until after the match is over. Yeah. So three matches of a show with the word hardcore in it, and we don't use a weapon. Uh... The lights go out, and when they come back on, Sandman is in the ring. I don't get this fucking shit. Like, come up with a better way for someone to show up than yeah, to make the lights go. Yeah, isn't that Sabu's thing anyway? Yeah, like, Sandman's never done It's just a weird thing for a, someone who, like, doesn't have any sort of, like, mysterious vibe to them. Like, just, like, just some drunk guy. You're telling me that Sandman can get to the ring in the dark? Yeah, Sandman's looking rough, too. I don't believe that he could get in there with the lights on. <laughs> yeah, probably why he doesn't even wrestle a match here. 
He just beats he just beats up Polaco with a cane, hits the white Russian leg sweep. Um and and that's then that's pretty much it. Yeah, Sandman should have stayed home for this one probably. Yeah. Um one uh we go now to the where are they now segment. And this one was actually kind of uplifting because we have Francine there and you know, most wrestlers end up having sad lives after wrestling, but Francine seems to do be doing pretty good. She's a mom, she's married, and she seems happy. And I'm like, God damn, I'm so glad to see that. Yeah, yeah, likewise. Uh, and Taz really puts her over really nicely. He talks about how awesome she was and congratulates her on being a mom. Um, and then they take a moment to remember the extreme originals who were no longer with us, and they just have this generic text on the screen that just says... We miss you, kind of. Do thing. you think that's because Benoit died two years ago, and they were like, "Ooh, we can't like not mention him," but so we can't. Um, like, I don't know. I don't. Know. Or is it just like there's too many names on that list? It would take up too much time. Probably too many names. Also, yeah, you couldn't. I, I feel like they wouldn't want to mention Chris Benoit, and but you can't just leave him off. And so, yeah, I think that's that's part of it. Yeah, any any like group of like significant things that includes Chris Benoit on it from now on is like always going to be like fucked up. Yeah, yeah. It's like whenever they talk about the Royal Rumble and they're like, two people have won the Royal Rumble from entry number one, and one of them is Shawn Michaels. <laughs> um, our next match is a three way dance between Brother Runt, Spike Dudley. Yeah, I, I actually figured that one out on my own. See, uh, the the Dudleys had left uh, WWE right after the ECW One Night Stand show, and they rebranded them as Team 3D, and they called them Brother Ray, Brother Devon, and Brother Runt is what they called them. So they were actually, in fact, I think they spent just as much time in TNA as they did in WWE, if not more time. Um, so they actually became pretty well known by those names. Yeah, no, and I've heard them referred to as 3D before in one of the other shows we watched, so um, th- yeah. th- that doesn't actually work too badly, and it's yeah. close well, enough. Well, and their their finishing move is the 3D, although the name 3D means Dudley Death Device, um, so it kind of does include the name Dudley in it. Yeah, but um, no, though, though that's an example of a name change that I think completely works and is fine because they're still recognizable and you know it's all good yeah um and they at least still not with brother runt but at least it brother ray and brother devon like i mean at least they sound similar right right literally devon is still devon um so we have a three-way dance, which I know you mentioned you really like the concept of the three-way dance. Yeah, I don't like the execution here, though. Yeah, I know, because it really didn't end up working. No, like, not at all. style. Um, but it's Brother Runt uh, versus Al Snow and versus Rhino. Uh, they start off with, like, they have, like, this stack of headlocks kind of thing, um, which I thought was kind of cool. Uh, Rhino is about to gore Brother Runt, but Al Snow trips him up. Um, Taz talked about how Brother Runt actually came to the ECW training school called House of Hardcore. That's where he got his start. Um, there's a cool moment where Brother Runt goes for a crossbody from the top rope to the floor, but Al Snow and Rhino catch him and just throw him over their heads. 
Yeah, I mean, that is the thing that sucks about being Spike Dudley is that you can do some really impressive stuff, but you're so small compared to these big guys that basically everything that you do, you just get thrown after you do it. There's a really cool match uh, that's always been one of my favorites in the original ECW where Spike Dudley faces Mike Awesome. And the whole match is basically Mike Awesome throwing Spike Dudley through tables and him just keep getting back up and like, do it again. So uh, we're going to see a double box where the uh, TNA roster is watching the match. Uh, Brother Runt keeps going for the acid drop, uh, but first Rhino tosses him off, and then he tries to do it on both guys, but they throw him over the top rope. This is a weird moment where I guess we're not really wrestling under ECW rules because it seems like disqualifications seem to be in play here. Yeah, disqual- and you find out halfway through the show that, like, oh, we're not using ECW rules, which is weird for an ECW tribute show. With the name Hardcore in it. Yeah. Because uh, the ref gets knocked down, and Al Snow hits Rhino in the head with head. So, like, they kind of play it off like, oh, the ref got knocked down so he can use the weapon. But... If this were a real ECW show, he could use it no matter what. And they even do the whole Eddie Guerrero bit where they slam the chair on the mat and then lay down to act like they got hit with a chair so that the ref will disqualify them. Yeah. Uh, And I don't know. I don't know why they decided to change those rules. I I don't either. It doesn't make any sense. I guess so they could do this bit because it's the only time this ever, like, comes up. Yeah, that's true. That because is true. Every other match doesn't have weapons, and then every other match other than this one has weapons and it is a hardcore match. So it's like this is the only one where that came into play and I guess it was just for this one bit. Yeah, it's like it's like it's they weird. couldn't book it without having a disqualification, so they're like, Oh fuck it. Ugh. Yeah. Sloppy, lazy. Just uh, bad. Anyway, the ref is getting the chair out of the ring. Al Snow swings at Runt with head, but Runt ducks it, and he hits the acid drop and pins Al Snow, and then immediately gets Gord and and Rhino pins him. So it's like, yeah, what was the point of having an elimination style if the elimination comes mere seconds before the end of the match? Right. It it doesn't... The cool thing about an elimination is that once you get the first guy out, you've got this sort of one-on-one match... And depending on the damage that the first guy did, you know, that kind of weighs into who can win the second part of the match. But here it was completely non, like, it didn't weigh in any way on the rest of the match yeah, at all. Yeah, if you're going to do that, just make it be one fall. Like, Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, it was a weird decision there. Uh, we go backstage and Mick, Fall- Mick Foley is talking about the match between Tommy Dreamer and Raven. Uh, he's... <laughs> Did you notice he's reading Hulk Hogan's book? <laughs> I did. I did notice that. And I don't really know what the point of that was other than to be like, ha, look, it's Hulk Hogan. We yeah, had Hulk Hogan so. on an ECW show. <laughs> uh, he's going to be the referee for the Dreamer and Raven match. He says he's the perfect guy to do it because he knows exactly what has gone on between two, the two guys, and he's going he's gonna to be a fair referee. See, that's the thing. No special referee is ever going to just be not involved. And if they are, what was the point of having them? Yeah, no, I like the idea of a special referee that I... Because, you know, every single time they interview him, they're like, I'm going to call this right down the middle. I want to see an interview with one that's like, yeah, I'm going to help him cheat. Yeah. 
or just see like a, a special referee that has like no impact on the match. Yeah. That would make it realistic. Um, we do another I Remember s- segment. They're talking about how ECW raised the bar. Chris Saban talks about watching the Sabu Terry Funk barbed wire match that we don't get to see anything of. Um, our next match is going to be Axel Rotten and Cajones, who is uh, better known as Balls Mahoney. And I just think that that's really funny that they're like, okay. What can we call him that sounds like Balls Mahoney, but is also a word that means nuts? <laughs> and it's like, they fucking nailed it. Uh, uh, Taz straight up does start to call him Balls Mahoney. Yeah. Um, the crowd um, is chanting balls. Taz what a weird gimmick. a lot during I don't this. even know what his gimmick is. It's just he's a guy whose name is, is Testicles. Yeah, it is a weird one. Uh, and he looks like fucking Attila the Hun. <laughs> um, Axel Rotten, meanwhile, looks pretty good. Because he, he was, like, really messed up. And he looks like he's gotten his life together. Uh, Balls Mahoney, meanwhile, actually passes away not too long after this show. So. Oh, uh, had to have one in this in this show. Yeah, no, I I kind of I figured it's it's uh, already a miracle that this many guys that you have I enough think, guys for a card. I think he's the only guy who's uh, on the show that's died. So that's that's pretty nice. Once you get in there past a certain age, you're you're sort of in the clear. If you clear like fifty years old, you're probably going to be okay until you know you're going to yeah. live a natural lifespan. Yeah, if a wrestler lives over 50, then they're fine. But wrestlers either live to be, like, 100 years old or 45. Yeah, I mean, you got to think. On one hand, they are extremely physically fit for a while. On the other hand, insane amounts of drugs. Yeah. But, like, yeah, I mean, you either get, like, you know, an Eddie Guerrero who dies in his 30s, or you get a Ric Flair who's never going to die. You either dirt, die a Kurt Cobain or live long enough to see yourself become a Billy Corgan. And and Billy Corgan is a big friend of uh, TNA. <laughs> <laughs> actually, not anymore. You know, I think on our other show we're talking about Billy Corgan's involvement in TNA. He's actually not with TNA anymore. He's with the NWA. Really? And NWA is now starting their own TV show pretty soon. So, more wrestling on TV. Interesting. I... I yeah, I, I gotta actually pick a promotion that isn't terrible and start watching weekly. I think AEW would probably be that because they've uh, they're brand new. They've got JR with them. They got okay. Cody Rhodes. They got Chris Jericho. So. That's dope. And they just started, so you're you're jumping right in. Anyway, so uh, Axel Rotten and Cajones are saying they don't have a match, so they're gonna make an open challenge. So you mean to tell me? That they, they just, like, booked this pay-per-view light? Yeah. I mean, obviously this was a planned match all along. But in, in kayfabe, I'm supposed to suspend disbelief and mean that, like, there are, the producers in the back were, oh, thank God somebody had an impromptu match. We didn't know what we were going to do for the last 15 <laughs> minutes. Like, like what were they going to do otherwise? Yeah, no, like... Oh man, we put together this reunion match and we just got I guess you guys get a buy around. <laughs> yeah. Uh were they just gonna have they were just gonna have uh AJ Styles describe an entire match. 
so they make an open challenge, and Joel Gertner, god damn, this guy won't go away. Yeah, um, okay. I, I, I kind of feel like he should. I was shocked to see him here. In really? the worst way. Well, because he was in the WWE show. Yeah, I know. And I thought, surely he won't be in this one, yet here he is. Yeah, he comes out and he does his whole, like, sexual innuendo thing. He calls himself the bacon in her eggs, the man for whom she begs, and the face between her legs. Classic. I don't know if you notice, he always wears, like, a neck brace. That was because one time, like, he, like, in, in storyline, had had his neck broken, and so he just kept wearing a neck brace forever. Wild. Just absolutely wild. Um... But yeah, it's like anytime there's a reunion show, they bring back Joel Gertner. Like of all the Dudley, they're not going to bring back any Dudleys except for this one guy who's not actually a Dudley and just talks about how good he is at sex. Yeah, it, that's weird. He makes this weird joke about Lady Gaga too. He does. It, there's several. Okay, they made a Jersey Shore joke in here too, and I'm like, wow, really? I guess this really was 2010, huh? Yeah. The crowd chants, that's hardcore, to his Lady Gaga joke. Okay. It doesn't... Why is he giving the mic? Why is he here? What does anything he's saying have to do with anything? The crowd chants Dudleys, and Joel Gertner almost calls them the Dudleys before saying Team 3D. Uh, Brother Ray gets on the mic, and he says, the crowd doesn't want to see them have a wrestling match and decides this will be a South Philadelphia street fight. So what you're telling me is this would have been a normal match otherwise. <laughs> we get this big brawl where we can't really see anything that's happening, and they try putting it like in a double box where we see both like sets of guys fighting, but they really like nothing really happens other than just like vague punching. Yeah, right, because like uh, Bubba Ray and Devon split up in the crowd, and so... The problem with this, like, split-screen view we're given is that each of the screens is maybe a quarter of of the total screen. So you've got half blackness, half wrestling, and you can't follow it at all because they're in the crowd, and it's just bad. It's just not good. Um, uh, One funny thing is Brother Ray gets a fan, has a head mannequin, he hits cojones with it. Um, <laughs> I didn't notice that. Finally, we get back to the ringside, and uh, they start throwing weapons in the ring. We get a trash can lid. We get a frying pan, a cookie sheet, and then we get a fucking lightsabers. Yeah, that got dumb fast. What? Again, nothing says extreme like a lightsaber fight like in the middle of the match. Like a plastic lightsaber fight in the middle of a match. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he stabs him with the lightsaber. Uh, Brother Ray stabs Cahonies in the nuts with the lightsaber. It's just weird and stupid. It's like they put these weird comedy things in there for no reason. Which, you know, and I didn't really, I, I don't know anything about wrestling, as the beginning of the show tells you. But I feel like that wasn't really a part of ECW. No. Of course not. And why is it happening? Like, why? I hate it when wrestling tries to force comedy. Yeah. Because, like, there are a few 
wrestlers who can do comedy. But they try to make every wrestler be a comedian. No, most wrestlers are far too stupid to do comedy. And the problem is, you what you end up doing is that you it's the wrestling is bad and the comedy is bad. Yes. You can kind of get away with if you have one that's good and one that's bad. But you mostly end up having both be bad. Um, everyone has a chair now and they start fighting with the chairs. For some reason, Axel and Cajones Irish whip the ref and he ducks the clothesline and he tries a double clothesline on them. Yeah. What is it this? It's just weird. Um... They finally, we get a table out, and then we get some lighter fluid, the table's on fire, and uh, they powerbomb Cajones through the flaming table and pin for the three count. At least that was kind of cool. Yeah. I can't believe the same match that a lightsaber fight also had a flaming table. You know, yeah, exactly. I agree. It's very, very surreal and strange. I have noticed, though, okay, so, uh, and you might remember me talking about this back on our, our first ECW show, the difference in the WWE tables and the ECW tables, um, yeah. being that the ECW tables have a metal ring that goes around them, um, and in the WWE tribute show, and in this show, they use that same kind of table. Really? And I just thought that was interesting I didn't pick that, up they, on that they stuck with those. Because they seem like they would hurt a lot more, because they don't break clean. You mm-hmm. just bend a big piece of metal in the middle. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, a pro- going through a table that doesn't have any give is, like, worse than going through a... than actually breaking through it, I, I would think. Yeah, I, w- I would assume so. Um, they're gonna get interrupted by the gangsters, Mustafa, Saeed, and New Jack, who I would have never imagined to see here. Um, Is this before or after New Jack's attempted murder? Oh, definitely after. Why would you ever get in a ring with this man? I don't know. Well, I guess because the Dudleys know him and they they have wrestled with him before, so it's not like they're getting in with someone they don't know. But yeah, New Jack's done all kinds of crazy shit before now. He's he's you know cut people open, used weapons on people, thrown people off shit. I can't believe New Jack is here. And they also, so back in the original ACW, the gangsters would come out and interrupt stuff, and they their music would keep playing because I can't remember what music they used, um, but obviously they can't use it here. So it keeps playing, but it's like the the shitty TNA version of it, so it's like weak. Yeah. Um. We get lots of interesting weapons like a hockey stick, a crutch, a kitchen sink, a stapler, which I don't know that they actually used, but they did like a close-up of it. Yeah, they just had it out. Um, Which is not to say ECW would not use a stapler, because I 100% have seen them use a stapler before. Oh, yeah. Um, And then New Jack hits Gertner in the head with a guitar. Uh, They stand up and they hug. So we're just getting rid of kayfabe right now. Yeah, it's it's like they can't decide, is there story, is there not story, is it a reunion show, like a Hall of Fame kind of thing, or is it a... I get the tone the is completely weird. I get the hug after the match, that makes sense, because it's like, okay, the match is over, we're not fighting anymore. But they just came out to start beating them up, and then decided to just stop and hug. 
Right, right. And it just uh, makes no sense at all. That was weird. Um, so Raven is going to talk about his match with Tommy Dreamer. Raven's always been great. That He was one person who was noticeably absent from the ECW sh- or the WWE One Night Stand show. Uh, Raven's always been super cool. Um, and he, he's been always been really good on promos. So the whole thing with Raven and Dreamers, they had a big rivalry back in the original ECW. And in storyline, they were friends when they were like little kids. And Tommy Dreamer was really popular. And Raven was not. And he got really jealous. And then Tommy stole his girlfriend, who was his real-life wife, Beulah McGillicuddy. And... They got he got jealous and anyway they had this big violent rivalry in ECW so basically they're gonna they're gonna kick it back off here. Um, we have another really quick I remember segment where they keep dancing around the name, um, and then they have a tribute to Joey Styles where a bunch of wrestlers talk about how they wish Joey Styles was here and how they miss him. He works for WWE at this point, uh, and even when we come back to the to the arena they're still talking about joey styles it's like he's not here just like yeah like, i know he's he's watching this i'm like he's i doubt it <laughs> um so we're gonna have raven versus tommy dreamer with mick foley as the special referee at ringside we see who they call Teresa. i had to look up i was like did tommy dreamer get remarried but no, that is Buell McGillicuddy. I just never realized Buell McGillicuddy was a ring name, so they have to call her by her real name. Ah. So Teresa is is Tommy Dreamer's wife. She's there with his two daughters, uh, and Dixie Carter is also there. Raven says something to them. Uh, Taz also mentions that Dreamer is wearing the boots he was wearing during his last match against Raven. Uh, Tommy Dreamer is going to give his daughters a kiss. And Mick Foley is, like, saying, all right, I'm going to let anything go in this match, but you have to keep it between themselves. And then the announcers are like, how good of him to, like, let anything go? It's an ECW show. (laughs) What the fuck? And that's one thing that the WWE uh, version of this, One Night Stand, really focused on, was like, hey, this might be on the WWE, but we're doing ECW rules. We're, We're trying to get as close to the original product as possible. This yeah, makes this, no attempt to do that. This just felt like a TNA show that just had ECW guys wrestle on it. Yeah, I mean, I think it, I think it seriously is, at a certain point, sort of an agreed-upon thing with the ECW guys that it's like, okay, as long as one of us is in a big promotion, you're gonna try to get it. You're gonna try to get us on the card once a year, right? You're gonna try to get us a paycheck. And it's like it's like we already did this. We already yeah. had our, our, our big tribute show, so it's like, to do it again... We already said goodbye once. Yeah. You don't it's have, like if Terry you keep Funk saying trying goodbye, to and you never leave, then it just loses the effect. It's like Yeah, it's like that one guy at your house that won't go, and you keep trying to like be like, oh man, I gotta get up early in the morning. Right, right. Um... This match does get pretty hardcore, though, uh, as, as of course it does. Um, but we go to the outside pretty quickly. Um, we get chairs set up, and uh, Raven hits a drop toe hold that sends Dreamer face first into the chairs. The crowd chants, oh my god, and he starts bleeding pretty bad. Like, it's not like, it doesn't look like a regular blade. Like, it looks like he's got, like, a straight-up hole in his head that blood's just gushing out of. Yeah, no, this, um, this match is as close as we're gonna get to ECW, I feel. 
Uh, at one point, Dreamer grabs a sign from the crowd, and it literally says, Tommy, please use this sign. He uses it, and he, he like, rips off the paper, and it turns out to be a dead-end street sign. Yeah, okay, so that had to be a plant, right? Yeah, I'm sure it was. It was still super fun, though. TNA tried to do this thing one time called, fa- like, a, like, a fan lumberjack strap match where the ring was surrounded by fans that had, like, straps around them to whip the wrestlers when they got out of the ring. But, of course, it wasn't really fans. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, like, it's hard to follow. That is kind of dumb. Um, we're going to get a ladder involved. Um and there's this moment that looks kind of painful where Dreamer is standing on the ladder wedged in between the ropes, and he kind of falls in between them, which is when uh, Taz talks about Dreamer having a ruptured testicle one time. Yikes. Um, Dreamer hits the Dreamer driver, but he doesn't decide to pin. Instead, he's going to put Raven upside down in the corner, stand on his balls, and then drop kick the dead end sign into his face. And the drop kicking the sign was pretty cool. I I thought that was a neat, uh, a pretty cool spot there. Another really cool spot is when he brings out barbed wire and wraps it around Raven's face and starts like cross facing him with the barbed wire. And I hope that that barbed wire is fake. Yeah, but that did make me say, okay, this is now we're closer to ECW. Yeah, that was the first like I audibly like cringed at that because I was like, whew. Yeah, yeah. Um, this match would have been great if the fucking fake BWO didn't come out. Right. Yes. Why? We didn't need them anymore. We're like, oh my god, I can't believe we had three segments with the BWO in it. Three segments with this guy that is decisively not the original Blue Meanie, who has nothing to do with ECW. Just existing here. And like... We didn't need, like, this, we could have skipped this, because they don't do anything for the match. They just come out, do some brawling, and then get kicked out of the ring pretty quickly. Um, Raven and Mick Foley get into, like, a little bit of a scuffle. Um, And Mick Foley pulls out Mr. Sacco, which is, like, totally not ECW at all. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Like, he explicitly, at the WWE event, was like, I'm dressed as Cactus Jack, I'm not bringing out Mr. Sacco, because... I know that that's not what these guys know me for. Um, here, I mean, I'm always glad to see Mr. Sacco personally, but I thought it was weird that he brought it out at this ECW show, though I will say the addition of the barbed wire to Mr. Sacco makes it a little closer. That was pretty cool. Yeah, the nose-picking guy is going to come out, and even the commentators don't know who he is. He hits a leg drop on Dreamer, and that's when Foley puts a barbed wire-wrapped Mr. Sacco in his mouth. Yeah, it's pretty sick. Yeah, so, like, this match had run-ins from three people, two of which were not even in ECW. Yeah. Why? What? Uh, Raven puts Dreamer in handcuffs and starts hitting him with the chair, and Foley tries to break it up. And I almost wonder if this is, like, kind of a callback to Mick Foley being handcuffed and hit with a chair. I was thinking the same exact thing. Um... Trish, Teresa, uh, Tommy Dreamer's wife, is going to come down to the ring, try to talk Raven out of using the chair. She even gives him a hug, uh, but he hits Dreamer with the chair anyway. He tries to hit Teresa with the chair, but Foley stops him. 
Raven is going to low ball, low blow McFoley, but then Teresa is going to low blow Raven. Tommy Dreamer somehow hits a DDT even though his hands are still handcuffed, and he pins Raven, but Raven kicks out, and that's when Raven hits him in the knee with a chair and falls up with a DDT on the chair and pins him for the three count. Um, so you know, pretty cool match. It just really did not need the BWO and fucking nose nose dude in it. Yeah, and I'm gonna say that was my favorite match of the show. Yeah, even it, it though. Was, BWO was there. It was pretty good. Um, uh, but you know, it, the nose guy was so weird because even the announce team seemed genuinely confused. And also, I just think if you could easily take that out of the match, and it's still like they didn't—they weren't involved in the finish. They weren't involved in a big turning point in the match. You still could have done the same match and just taken them out of it. Right. Right. It's just very strange. Uh, we do a backstage interview with Jeremy Borash and SoCal Val promoting the TNA Wrestling dot com, uh, uh, and I was like, "Why did we do this here?" Uh, no, this is this part's rough. And that's when the gangsters show up, and Jack calls SoCal the little white girl, and he said this, and this actually did make me laugh. He said, "You know what they say about black men, right? Once you go black, you get bad credit." <laughs> Um, and then they leave. Uh, just a, a, a random event that did not need to happen. Okay, then, they don't leave yet. Oh, yes. He, one of them grabs the woman by her hair and walks off with her, which is... Oh, weird. I didn't see that. Yeah, well, the other, like, tells the guy uh, that he is now his bitch. And I just felt like this looked like the intro to a porn. Yeah, uh, New Jack actually went to go murder Jeremy Borash. <laughs> uh, they do another similar tribute like they did to Joey Styles, but they do it to Paul Heyman, who is also not there because he's uh, works for the WWE. Uh, we're going to get our main event here, Rob Van Dam with Bill Alfonso versus Sabu with Bill Alfonso. Um, double the Alfonso, double I the fun. I thought it was really funny that he, like, ran back up to go accompany Sabu down to the ring. Yes, okay, that actually was hilarious because if you notice, he changed jackets, too. Yes, that was cool. Um, He's got the goddamn whistle, though. Yeah. Sabu is bald now. Uh, the crowd's really into this match. So they're chanting, this is classic, before it's even started. Yeah. Um. And then we get uh, Sabu's classic use of the chair, um, where he uh, he uses it as a launching pad. At one point, he leaps up on the chair, then jumps to the top rope, then springboards onto RVD into the crowd. Um, I also, I forgot to mention, it's Alfonso that slides the chair into the ring. He just slides it into the middle. And, and so he's like, you know, he's not giving it to one person or the other. And then they fight over it. <laughs> um at one point, um, Alfonso comes into the ring and gives each guy a water bottle. So, yeah, nothing like ECW, uh, or nothing like a water break in the middle of a match to, to show how hardcore we are. Yeah, absolutely extreme. Um, both guys are trying to get tables into the ring. Hey, Peyton, there's nothing radical about being dehydrated, okay? Yeah, hey, man. the, the you, you know, you may have to tape up your own sliced open arm but god damn it you gotta have you gotta have some water absolutely um 
RVD goes to the top rope at one point, but Sabu throws a chair at his face, falls up with a springboard Hurricane Rana. Alfonso gets into the ring and holds a chair in front of Sabu's face while he's straddled on the ropes, and RVD kicks it into his face. Um, RVD is going to set up a table but gets hit with a chair. Um, Sabu pins him, and RVD gets his hand on the rope, and it's a rope break, and Taz makes fun of the ref for calling the rope break while we're using fucking chairs and tables. <laughs> I'm glad he made fun of that. Yeah, yeah, me too. Eventually, Sabu's going to get RVD on the table, and he's going to attempt uh, to jump off the top rope and leg drop the chair into the back of his head, but RVD moves out of the way, and Sabu goes through the table instead. RVD follows that up with a five-star frog, spat, frog splash and pins him for the three-count and the win. RVD and Sabu shake hands and hug, and that's when the ECW locker room comes out all carrying beers. Hmm, where have I seen this before? Yeah, weird that they're all standing in the ring drinking beers. That's... Why? It's almost like in some vague dream that I had where that happened. It's literally, they ended it the exact same way. They didn't have any, like, invaders to beat up, but... Yeah. Yeah. But Um, also, okay, I'll say this. The invader storyline of One Night Stand made the show a little bit more about the WWE. Yeah, it was definitely the worst part of of the One Night Stand show. But it provided a through line and a, a feeling of story through the show that wasn't provided by the matches. And it gave this sense of finality at the end that I thought worked really well. And I thought that, um, you know, there you're also having Paul Heyman and Eric Bischoff, like, sort of go at it. And, and you had this, this is ECW, this is a, a real tribute to ECW. Here... There's much less of that. Yeah. Tommy Dreamer's going to get on the mic and say thank you to everyone, especially Dixie Carter. Brother Ray picks up Dixie and puts her in the ring, and we close out with Dreamer saying that was one hell of an effing pay-per-view. I don't know that it was, Tommy. Yeah, I don't know that it was either. Um, I don't know. I, I was not a, a huge fan of, of this show. It wasn't horrible. Definitely wasn't the worst pay-per-view TNA's ever done because they've done some terrible ones. But uh, It was okay per, for a pay-per-view, but it was bad for an ECW tribute show. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like we didn't really tribute ECW that much. And overall, just strange. Just a big sort of question mark over my head about why you chose to do this at all. Yeah, lots of strange choices on, on this on this one. Um, but, you know, I guess, I guess I can't, especially if this was like Tommy Dreamer's idea, I guess I can't fault him too much for wanting to do this. I just question why he wanted to, considering he had kind of already done it once before. And like I said, I think it's just to get some paychecks rolling. I mean, isn't it always? Yeah, that's true. Well, that's going to about do it for this edition of Turnbuckle Training. We want to encourage you to watch along with us. So in two weeks, we're going to be talking about Rey Mysterio. Oh, I'm so excited. Who's that jumping out the sky? R-E-Y Mysterio. (laughs) Um, We're going to be talking about the career of one of the best high flyers of all time, someone who's been in ECW, WCW, and WWE, has had quite the journey. So we're going to be looking at that. I want to, again, remind you all 
to follow us on Twitter at Turnbuckle Train. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, Google, wherever you get your podcasts, and leave us a review, please. And let us know of anything uh, you'd like us to cover on Turnbuckle Training. Thanks for listening. It's me, Austin! The numbers don't lie, and they spell disaster for you as sacrifice. Oh, son of a bitch! Oh, my God! I did it for the run. Get ready for the bonkerest event of the summer. A Three Big Dudes production. Starring me, professional toe sucker. No, we won't talk about that, but we will talk about Waluigi, Dog with a Blog, the similarities between Alf and Cousin Skeeter, and of course, the Slithler. It's Feud Fight, where we take the wild questions most people won't touch and give our scalding hot takes. And I also say terrible things that could loosely be considered word crimes, just to keep things a little spicy. Every Monday, wherever you find your podcasts.